Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hi, I'm your host, James Bell, and I am thrilled to share the studio today with Jessica Cahey, who is the founder and owner of Sweet Freedom Cheese which is located in Bentonville's 8th Street Market and which recently was named by wine enthusiasts as one of the top 10 most iconic cheese shops in America. Jessica, congratulations and welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah. I'm really excited to be here. And yeah, we're super excited about that recent accolade. Excellent. Well, it's Gouda to have you here. Let me just go ahead and apologize in advance. I may have, that may not be the cheesiest pun that you hear today. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'm ready. I'm ready for them. <laughs> Great. Well, Jessica, what should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? And I'll, uh, I'll add a qualifier in there. You can talk about anything that you want, but one of the things we definitely want to hear is how does one pivot from being a civil engineer to founding a cheese shop that within just a few short years becomes one of the most iconic cheese shops in the United States? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's a, not a direct path. That's the answer. It's very circuitous. Uh, probably the first thing to know about me is that I will talk to you about cheese if you stand still very long. So you see me out in the wilds. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some cheese facts. I'm like the Trojan horse of cheese facts. And I uh, love, to, love to share cheese and cheese knowledge and everything adjacent to that. But maybe one of the other things too, you know, how do, how do I get from point A to point B, which is, again, securitist, not a straight line, is really kind of with one thought process. And a lot of people ask, you know, how did you come up with the idea of Sweet Freedom or the name? And it's really this, which is, I think that one of the biggest risks that you can take in life is spending your life unhappy really full stop, unhappy, but unhappy, not really pursuing your dreams or doing what you want to do, all on the risk that you're going to have that freedom, mm -hmm. that time later to be able to do those things. And, and really, there's a lot to unpack in that statement. Some of yes. it, you know, sounds, uh, you know, very nebulous and maybe a little privileged. But what I mean at the core of it is that all of us are just lucky to be here, frankly. And, you know, every day that we wake up is a, is a blessing. And so I think that if you, you know, are able to kind of look at those dreams and maybe put your toe into the, you know, the, the deep end of the pool and, and make that jump, then you absolutely should try. And, and not that, you know, as adults, we don't have responsibilities uh, to ourselves and to others. I'm not saying quit your job and, you know, fly off to Tahiti tomorrow. <laughs> but I think that certainly, again, life is a gamble and there are certain risks that are really worth it. So kind of, you know, woke up one morning and uh, I mean, it wasn't exactly one morning. It was over a, a lot of mornings sure. and thought, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do. And I, I do like engineering. I like a lot of aspects of it. 
but it's not the thing that is essentially making me happy for lots of myriad reasons. So what is going to make me happy? And in a very logical lady fashion, I would come home and think, you know, I could be, I could be this, I could be this, I could be this. What is it going to take? Am I going to go back to school? Am I going to have to move? Am I going to have to, you know, do X, Y, Z and, and get kind of more experience in these things to become whatever that might be? And somehow I kind of settled on, on cheese, which is, I know, an odd thing to settle on. But I, it really intrigued me thinking, you know, there's not a lot of people making cheese kind of in the area. And so I actually started in cheese, really interested about the making process and, and how do you actually create cheese from milk? It's kind of like magic alchemy almost, but very part art, part science. And I was already doing a lot of cooking and a lot of fermentation projects. And so it kind of was a natural segue into the culinary world of which I had almost, uh, you know, no experience in. And so it took a lot of years of reading and traveling and, you know, meeting people and eating cheese and making a bunch of terrible cheese to kind of get where we are today. Of course, the business model has changed multiple times a little bit uh, along the way, but here we are. That is very cool. Well, I'm grateful. You try this again. Great full for those who <laughs> might not have caught the fun, pun the first time uh, that you decided to build this in yeah. our community when you probably could have built it just about anywhere. So let's talk about Sweet Freedom Cheese. So what do I have it here in my notes? Uh, Sweet Freedom Cheese is the first cut to order cheese shop in Arkansas, perhaps the first try before you brought by yep. Cheese Shop 2. What does this mean and why did you decide to go that route? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there are certainly business models for grocery in which you enter into a store and you see mm -hmm. your product and you grab it and you leave. There's a lot of mystery with that too. You know, is this, is this something that I'm going to like? And I think especially with artisan cheeses, maybe people are not familiar with, there is a real opportunity for education to really tell the story of the cheesemaker um, because that is really kind of part of the, the tale, right? And then also really just get that into someone's mouth and see, you know, do you like it? Do you not like it? And it, we start to kind of create a relationship with our customers. So we see people day in and day out, you know, hey, uh, we know that you love this. We just got in this other thing. Try this. And so it's, it's a lot of fun and it's a very different kind of labor intensive business model to do. But we do cut to order too. So more often than not, people make it to the register and they think, oh gosh, this is going to be really pricey, but yeah. we cut exactly what you need. So if you're having a giant party, one of the first questions we'll ask is how many people are you serving? How many people are you feeding? And then we'll work the way from there. We do what I call the cheese math. So we'll cheese math for you. And, you know, if you just want a little bit of cheese, you want, you know, half an ounce of cheese to snack, we'll cut that as well. So again, more often than not, people get to the register and they're like, wow, this was actually a lot less than I thought it was going to be. It's very affordable because you know that you got exactly how much you need. There's mm -hmm. not going to be a lot of waste with that. You've got the freshest cut. So this hasn't been essentially sitting in, you know, some plastic for a really long period of time and that you like it, right? So you've got to taste it. You know that your hard-earned money is going to something that is really enjoyable and tasty that you can take home and enjoy. Yeah. Awesome. So that's kind of what that means. Well, that's cool. I, you know, every time I walk into uh, 8th Street Market and see Sweet Freedom Cheese, I see a lot of cheese. So <laughs> yes. I'm curious, Yes. how many different cheeses do you carry? I actually don't know. Um, I would say probably a couple of hundred at wow. any given moment. And certainly we have carried many hundreds, maybe even up to a, a thousand cheeses at this point in rotation. And so we're always seeing new things come in. 
we're always getting new cheeses. Sometimes, you know, cheese, cheeses do go by the wayside and are phased out or aren't being made anymore. And we bring new things in. Some cheeses are only made seasonally. Hmm. And so we bring those in maybe towards the holidays or the summertime. So we get to see a lot of different things. And we always get a little excited, like, you know, the kid at Christmas when we get the new cheeses in and get to share that with uh, the community at large. But yeah, a couple, couple hundred at any given moment. That's a lot of cheese. It is a lot of cheese. <laughs> I love it. How do you find your cheeses? And I guess the question I'm asking might even be bigger than how do you find your cheeses? Mm-hmm. How does a, a cheesemonger source cheese? I mean, is are there traveling salespeople? Is there a show you go to? Do you have to travel to go find your cheese? How does that work? Yeah, I think all of those are true. And I kind of had the benefit of doing a lot of that traveling before we opened. So I, I went on what I lovingly call the cheese quest. And at the time, I was still very interested in cheese making. And so I had some advice given to me, you know, go and look at these facilities, go and look at you mm-hmm. know, the engineer brain. How are they built? You ask these cheesemakers, you know, what did they, they love that they did, you know, the best ingenious ideas and what did they absolutely hate? You know, this is the worst idea. And just, you know, eat some of those cheeses and see these facilities and make those connections. And so I, uh, I took her cheese mobile kind of around parts of the U.S. and did just that and stopped and met a bunch of cheese people who are just the best people and cheese shops, you know, went to, I've also traveled and done a lot of different food safety courses and cheese courses. I've been to the conferences where there are just rooms full of cheese wow. that you can eat, you know, your heart out. There are a lot of trade shows like the American Cheese Society, trade shows and judging the fancy food show. And so, so I have traveled to a lot of those. I've made a lot of personal connections with these cheesemakers, kind of from a different vantage point than maybe a lot of retailers would. And just, yeah, getting a lot of that. Sometimes it's, you know, it is the traveling, you know, folks, but maybe not as much as us just learning about cheeses or in publications, magazines. Uh, you know, we, we as a cheese community are kind of small, I think. And mm-hmm. so when we get hyped about something, we always want to share it. Again, the cheese Trojan horse facts. For sure. And so some of it is also just, you know, we hear about it and we take a chance on bringing it in. We're not really in a big dairy region of Mm -hmm. the world. You know, it's not Vermont or Wisconsin or California. And so we don't have as many cheesemakers kind of in this zone. But we, you know, if we can source from them locally and hear about them directly, then sometimes we'll take chances on bringing things in if we think they're going to be tasty. Yeah. And it's not always, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a little bit of a guessing game. Sometimes there are things that we love that we bring in as a lineup and maybe the community uh, doesn't respond to it. And so we've really listened to the customers over the years. Our starting lineup is, you know, not anywhere close what our lineup is now. And it's evolved over time. So we, again, we just kind of listen to our customers, what they want and what they find interesting. Oh, that, that is neat. What other products do you carry? You have some other gourmet products in your store? Absolutely. So everything that you would want to put on a cheese board. So we have charcuterie, we have a meat case that we also do cut to order, salamis, prosciutto, et cetera, jams, jellies, condiments, crackers, cookies, artisan chocolates, pickled stuff, you name it. Again, whatever you would put on a cheese plate or a sandwich, we would absolutely carry, including delicious beer and local beer and wines as well. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And you have a great beer place right next door. We too, sure do. Right? Yes, we sure so. do. We're in a great location for all things culinary. Absolutely. And uh, you have an eat-in menu uh, as well. I, in fact, I had yes. lunch yes. at Sweet Freedom oh, Cheese you? today. Okay, what'd you have? Um, oh, I had to make myself a note here because it was as fantastic as the description. I had the bonfire grilled cheese oh, sandwich. Oh. Outstanding, <laughs> so yeah. I wrote it down. I want the listeners to hear this. 
The description for the bonfire is gooey, funky, unwashed, or no, I'm sorry, not unwashed. Let me try this again. Gooey, funky, washed rind cheese, juicy smoked ham, and bacon jam. And let me tell you, it was absolutely as good as that sounds, perhaps even better. That warms my heart for you to say that. Yeah. A lot of people will come into the market and we do have this local ham from Bansley Farms and on local bread, mm-hmm. you know, start, starting out with real butter and amazing cheese. And so people walk in and it's on the grill. They say, what is that amazing smell? Yeah. A lot of times it's like the Julia and Julia movie, right? It's butter. It's always butter. But in always. our case too, it's also ham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my coworkers uh, didn't realize that you also offered eat in. So mm-hmm. I uh, took him over there yeah. uh, today and you're, you're right behind our office. Yes. And uh, of course his response was, this is so dangerous for me to know. <laughs> Absolutely. We do eat in or take out grilled cheese sandwiches, cheese plates. We also do big charcuterie platters for events and lots of custom stuff as well cool. for catering. Neat. What's your favorite cheese that you offer? Such a loaded question. This is like, what is your favorite child? Yeah. And it's really in the moment. You know, what am I drinking? What am I, uh, you know, where where am I? Am I snacking a cheese? Is this going to be on a cheese plate? But I have some favorites, certainly, you know, maybe seasonally. But one of my, I would say favorite, but also just as a story, because it's such a weird dairy product, such a weird cheese. I, I kind of early on made it my mission to always have it and to again, cheese facts, to always be kind of telling people about this really strange product that I find so fascinating, which is called Yeatost. It's a Norwegian, not technically cheese, I'll say cheese, but whenever you make cheese, there are solids in the milk, right? Mm -hmm. And so the whole point of cheese making is to get the solids out and then to get away from the moisture part, the liquid part, which is whey. So whey is mostly water, but it does have some lactose sugar in it, and it also has a lot of minerals. But imagine yourself to be a Norwegian in the wintertime. You need every single calorie, essentially, to maybe survive those Mm -hmm. first conditions. So you're making cheese. And that's a lot of what they call just white cheese. There are a lot of different types of cheeses, but it's the white cheese because that's kind of what the curds look in color. Then they take that whey. In America and a lot of other countries, we consider it a waste product. And so down the drain it goes. There are some innovative companies now that are using it for other types of products, dehydrating it into, say, whey protein, um, using it to you know, de-ice streets up north. But for the most part, we don't value it as much. So in Norway, though, they, they historically have taken it in cauldrons outside, built a fire, and they will boil it and boil it and boil it and boil it. But they're actually reducing it into something that gets caramelized. And those sugars that get caramelized start to turn brown and actually taste a bit like caramel. And they're very high in uh, those nutrients and minerals that essentially are concentrated down. They pour it into a mold. And then after it solidifies, voila, you have something called Yetos or Brunos, which means brown cheese. And that is like the national pride of Norway. And it is a cheese that will hang around for a very long time because there's so little moisture in it and kind of such a high mineral concentration, little water activity it really doesn't go bad. And so you can slice it in very thin layers and they will eat it with, you know, it's like an after-school snack or breakfast snack on toast. But I really love it with apples or even to bake with it. And so when folks first see it, they think, what is this? This is wild. But again, it's that try before you buy model where we get excited. We talk about the cheese, you know, as much as people listen to us and then also give them samples and say, you know, not, oh, here's this weird Norwegian cheese, but 
here's a cheese that tastes like caramel, which is something that we might enjoy in the South. And, you know, try it. And then, oh my gosh, all these ideas about what could I do with this and how can I use this? And it's got this neat story to it too. So it's such an interesting product. And I'm actually going to get to go to Norway to see it made by one of kind of the last producers that's making it in this traditional way than Utredal, which is, uh, you know, I feel like I'm like a fangirl of Utredal before it was cool, but it's the tiny little village that essentially Frozen was modeled after. So they, they're very famous for this cheese there. How fun. Okay, so Yato sounds, like sounds like it's in my future. It's so neat. Yes, come um, by and, and try a little bit of it. Is that the uh, most unusual cheese that you it's know? It's pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. historically, <laughs> I think. Um, and it's a little polarizing. I, I would say most people enjoy it. But we, we have a lot of really interesting cheeses. And I, I also like to say, we have a lot of cheeses. We have cheeses for everyone, really. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of cheeses for a lot of palates. So we have mild cheeses that you might, you know, use for cooking or that kids would like. And we have really strong cheeses if you're kind of into that. And so when you come to the case, again, that try before you buy model kicks in. So if you're an adventurous eater, you can tell us that. And then we're kind of like, you know, your barber, we, we start to have this, again, this relationship and we get to know you better. And so we can start suggesting things. And also our favorites, of course, we always like to share with others, like, this is really great. But uh, one of my other favorite cheeses is when I was studying cheesemaking up in Vermont, I, I, I actually tried this beautiful cheese called Harbison that is now one mm. essentially best cheese in America and is just gorgeous. But it's modeled after a very kind of hard to get cheese here in Arkansas um, called Vachery Mondor. But it's a little bit of a smaller version of that. And it is wrapped in spruce bark. So there's actually a guy who goes out in the kind of the, the, the green, beautiful forest of Vermont and takes the precambium off of these spruce trees. And then they take these strips back to the, essentially the cheesemaker and they boil them, make them pliable, wrap them around this really delicious goopy cheese um, or it becomes goopy and it almost needs this girdle, this spruce girdle uh-huh. to hold it together. And so we, we carry that periodically, but just having that cheese for the first time, one of the kind of the first artisan cheeses that I ever had, you know, with the cheesemaker at the creamery was just such a profound experience for me you know, clicking over, yeah, yes, this is really what I want to do. This is amazing. And so I, I do have a really soft spot for those spruce barked ones. And, and we have a lot of those towards the wintertime where they're particularly like silky and gooey and delicious. So. Okay. I'll be looking for those. Harbison, right? Harbison. Yes. Is the, is the one from Jasper Hill. And we have a few others that will be coming in as well. Excellent. I'm going to go off script a moment. I have to ask, uh, at what point should I throw out my blue cheese? Oh, <laughs> good. This is a good loaded question. This has been a very controversial uh, recent topic on the, you know, the interwebs and the TikTok, frankly. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, microbiologists might say one thing, cheese people will say something else. But our normal kind of byline is if you have a very firm cheese that is in your fridge and you have maybe forgotten about it, has a little bit of mold on it, it's okay. So. Cheese is a fermented product, and yes, there are some molds out there that are not good for you. It's very extensive. You know, the the mycelium of the mold can definitely penetrate into the cheese. However, they're really, I you know, I, I'm not a medical professional. This is not nutrition advice. You know, I I don't research studies all day long, but I've not heard of any cheese that's gone moldy in someone's fridge and they essentially cut off the mold and eat it ever getting sick. So again, it's a fermented product. It's meant to be, you know, consumed 
hopefully as quickly as possible because again, fresher is always better, mm-hmm. but cheese does predate refrigeration and we've been making cheese for thousands of years now. So I think there is a lot of kind of undue concern about fermented foods. Really, your, your nose knows. So if something seems in doubt, if something seems a little frightening and smells not good, obviously throw that away. It's not worth your health to do it. But if you have a little blue mold on your blue cheese, it wants to do that. So sure. blue mold is actually introduced into the penicillium root 40 is introduced into the milk at the time of making. And then it starts to creates, again, those mycelium all throughout the cheese and on the exterior of the cheese, wherever it can get to oxygen. And so whenever you cut this cheese open and we wrap it and you put it in your fridge, again, that cut portion is going to be open to oxygen. And so that mycelium is going to want to grow wherever it can. So, you know, if it's too much, you can just scrape it off a little bit. And again, just taste it, smell it. If it seems great, it's probably a-okay. And I will say the caveat to that is really soft, goopy stuff. Again, those mycelium can really penetrate into something that is extremely moist. And so we say, you know, definitely when in doubt, throw it out for soft stuff. So if mm-hmm. you have a very goopy brie, it's been in the bag of your fridge for a month, throw that, throw that boy out. If you have, you know, some strange dairy products that have, have turned a different color, please throw those out. Again, fresher is always better. You know, come and we always encourage people to come and buy smaller portions more frequently, kind of that European mindset versus like stocking up and then hoping it's going to stay better. But again, firm cheeses will last a very long time in your fridge. Perfect. Okay. I was on your website. I noticed you offer some events and classes. Will you talk about this? We do. do Yeah, I have, again, like Cheese Show World Travel. And uh, that's kind of how we started some of the, the, the business model before we had the brick and mortar. You know, as far as uh, even like 2016, 17, 18, teaching classes, pretty much anywhere anybody would let me teach a cheese class. And so we still have some of those partners today, which is really outstanding. We do a lot of classes with Honeycomb Kitchen Shop in downtown Rogers, where we sometimes just eat cheese and drink wine and have a great time and learn things. But sometimes we also do hands-on cooking classes where we actually make cheese. Um, we partner again with lots of organizations to, to do that for. You know, everyone from preteens to the public. We also sometimes host some of our own events. We partner with a lot of wine and beer friends. Uh, of we, course. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, artisan, artisan breweries across Northwest Arkansas are doing amazing things. And we really enjoy doing all sorts of either virtual or on-site events with them at the breweries. We also do a lot of classes with uh, King James Wine School. I adore wine as well. And so any chance that we can, you know, do something like that, we always will. So yeah, check our website. We sometimes, like I said, host events at the market, like Raclette Night and other fun things at 8th Street. Great. I'll check that out. Yeah. Maybe even drag my wife along. Excellent. Other than you're here... Why did you open Sweet Freedom Cheese in Bentonville? Oh, good question. I, I am from Hot Springs and came up here to get my engineering degrees and then just never left. So I've been in Northwest Arkansas for 23 years and I do consider it home. And so I think that we deserved a cheese shop, frankly. And I felt like it was something that, the, that we were ready for. It's, it's a great culinary hub. And it wasn't always necessarily that way. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of movers and shakers in Northwest Arkansas doing cool culinary stuff. But I remember when it wasn't quite so much, you know, 20, 20 odd years ago. But now there is just this incredible movement. There are so many people. And also 
a lot of really incredible chefs that are from this area who have gone on to other places and do other things that are now kind of coming home, so to speak, and, and you know, putting the roots back down. So it really seemed like the right area and the right opportunity. People seemed very responsive to it as well. And yeah, again, like I said, something for everyone. So folks that think, oh no, you know, I have to be rich and highfalutin to eat this weird, you know, cheese. No, that's not the case. Again, we'll, we'll talk to you about any cheese whatsoever for any budget and any palate. Excellent. What year did you open the store? I don't think we talked about that. Yeah, we, we actually opened in 2018 in the fall. And I, you know, I knew in <laughs> as early as really 2012, when I started taking cheese making classes, that that was, that was it for me. And then it, it kind of took me a bit, you know, thinking about that, taking risks. I'm not a great risk taker you know, trying to take my own advice there and really just figuring out the cheese world. So it's, there's a lot of cheese facts out there. There are a lot of cheeses to know. I feel like I'm a cheese encyclopedia and a lot of folks have a lot of questions and we want to be very knowledgeable. So that's something else that kind of differentiates us that we, we have cheesemongers who are very, very knowledgeable about the products that we sell beyond just kind of the periphery of this is a cheddar and it is firm. So again, we can, we can kind of discuss in intelligent applications and qualities of these cheeses with our customers. And that's something that has taken some time to build. So yeah, we've come, we've come a long way and done some interesting you know, things between 2018 and now, but, yeah. but it's lovely to look back. Well, interesting time to uh, uh, found. Maybe there was a little bump in the road in the, in the middle of that. How did, I know people are tired of hearing about COVID, uh, but <laughs> sure, um, sure. <laughs> had just real briefly then, how did that affect uh, your business? Having that yeah. right in the middle of the life of your company right. today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had just really, and, and thank goodness that we had had started in 2018 because we, mm -hmm. we were kind of getting known in the community. And of course, there's still people today, you know, that have never heard of us and are still finding us. And that's, that's great and exciting. But you know, at least we had a little time there to get kind of known in the community and for people to find us. And we had a lot of loyal customers that really helped us kind of get through that. But we've always had a very diversified business model. So again, cheese education always is a pillar of what we were doing. And, you know, wholesale, retail, we did events on and off sites, catering, et cetera, et cetera. And so we were very diversified in that. So we weren't essentially reliant maybe on just one of those things. But as restaurants, of course, you know, were forced to close, we lost our wholesale customers as, you know, events and gatherings weren't occurring, we kind of lost that. And so some of it we did have to retool. We, we really kind of uh, evolved our website at that time for more pickup items, sure. um, you know, still gave that same great customer service. But it gave us the opportunity also to do things that we really didn't have time or maybe proper motivation to do that we always thought, oh, this is a good idea, but, you know, we just don't have that, you know, that real, real reason to do it just yet. And so, you know, there were things like boxes and, you know, collaborations. We started doing virtual events right out of the gate, really Smart. kind of as an early adopter of that and with other people across the country. So we, you know, where we might not be able to do that before, course, with the advent of Zoom, like you said, everyone's like sick of Zoom, but it allowed us to access, say, wine and cheesemakers from all around the world and to be able to, in real time, have, have them in essentially this you know, virtual space asking these amazing questions while folks at home were able to eat and drink these you know, curated things and enjoy themselves. And, and also it, it created a sense of community too, 
with some of these folks that were they were attending these virtual classes with us that were at home in quarantine and you know needed other people to converse with and share stories with so so there were several things like that that we did and and it was that you know high tides rise all boats where we really were kind of trying to figure out how to collaborate with anyone that would collaborate with us and, yeah. and keep each other essentially all afloat during that time. Yeah. That's excellent. I love hearing these stories about how people sort of figured it out along the way and sure. <laughs> frankly, how Zoom opened up a whole new world yeah. uh, to a lot of folks. True. Yeah. Why is 8th Street Market? Why was that the place that you chose and, and what's uh, so perfect about it for your business? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a culinary hub and it's, mm -hmm. it's such a neat space as well where you can walk in and, you know, walk around the property and see, you know, the culinary delicacies at Brightwater being made and have a cheese plate and then, you know, walk over and read a book at the bookstore oh, and sure. have a glass of wine and have a beer and, you know, just so many different things there. So when we, you know, we were first essentially asked to be at 8th Street, it was, it was such a an interesting idea and it wasn't kind of fully, fully kind of built out at that, that time. So I thought, well, you know, this, this seems like it, but really Brightwater was one of the kind of flagship reasons that we were there as well. The, you know, being a culinary institution, mm -hmm. we are, are great partners essentially with them. And they were before they were at 8th street market and they were kind of scattered in different places. I, I was doing, you know, cheese classes with them wherever they would let me essentially. So it was really nice to to kind of have some of those partnerships still being created. Yeah. So, okay. Well, 8th Street Market is, has become sort of this iconic place in uh, Bentonville. Perfect for an iconic cheese shop. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and, you know, beyond Sweet Freedom Cheese and the 8th Street Market, what are some of the other sort of iconic places that you've grown to love in in uh, Bentonville and in Northwest Arkansas? Oh, yeah. Well, for sure, you know, at 8th Street, besides just Brightwater, there there are so many partners that we've had there. So, you know, Bike Rack, obviously, just mm -hmm. literally across the sidewalk from us has been, you know, a great support in the beginning. We've, you know, done fun collaborations with them, cheese classes with them as well. And then, like I said, then you can take a beer and kind of walk around and enjoy all this great food at, you know, Yeos and Co-op. You know, we we... Also sell cheese to, to Two Friends Books, you know, or you'll find our cheese in their sandwiches and just those kind of collaborations. You can get a cheese plate, uh, you know, at Cocoon Yoga. We've done classes with Hill Folk. Um, there's just a lot of kind of opportunities there, but also with other, you know, amazing culinary professionals in Northwest Arkansas, too. I mean, you'll find our cheeses in some of the most amazing um, restaurants in Northwest Arkansas. But in Bentonville, you know, specifically Barclita, Lady Slipper, you know, Conifer, they're, they're these great chefs that yeah. we love just hanging out with and, and, you know, and having some little influence on what cheeses are in their dishes. So it's really, it's such a great opportunity to, and, and such a great pride to, you know, to be the cheeses that are at Atlas and, and, you know, other places too that you might not have heard of. Um, so again, it's not, it's not all necessarily, the fanciest five-star cheeses, you know, that's not, not entirely exclusively what we do. Certainly we have small batch, you know, handmade, you know, high-end stuff, but we have really, you know, really great cheeses just from all around the world. Excellent. What are, uh, what are some of the best things about doing business or operating a business in Bentonville? Oh, I mean, it's a, again, it's such a great culinary place. And so you get to see all of these things that are evolving here 
at just such an interesting pace as well. And it, it is a great, you know, business-friendly community. There's a lot of just like local support for, for things like culinary. And there are a lot of people that are from all over. So obviously people that are from the area or from Arkansas that have moved here, but also from kind of, you know, outside, outside the state, whether if that's, you know, globally or, or in the United States that are used to maybe traveling or used to eating certain food. And so they will come to us with some knowledge, but also curiosity. Yeah. And I think an open mind to maybe, you know, try some stuff with us. So you never know essentially who's going to walk in the cheese shop. And, and that's what makes it kind of fun. That is fun. What are some of the things that you love about living, working, and playing in general in Bentonville? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, mostly working because I, I'm, yes, married to the cheese shop all the time. So I, I feel like I'm echoing this over and over, but just, you know, eating in Bentonville. <laughs> you can tell... I like Good food, but eating in Bentonville, I mean, there's so, there's so many fun things to do in Bentonville as well. Um, we kind of at 8th Street, since we're open Monday through Saturday, we're right there in the front. People kind of wander in who don't really know what they're doing, or maybe they've just come from the momentary and they're confused and hungry. And we seem to be kind of like the waykeeper, the like information guide. You know, everyone comes to us like, what is this? What are we doing? You know, where do we eat? Uh, you know, that sort of thing. So we give a lot of advice, you know, where to go and what to do and events that are happening. And there's always something, I think, extremely fun going on, you know, in the arts and concerts. But again, kind of going back to just that culinary scene, there's always something new going on. And I think kind of being one of these, these, you know, very specific vendors to some of these really great places, we get to hear things before they happen and, and have our finger on the pulse of just the really fun culinary things that are happening here and there. Oh, excellent. I'm going to open up a, a pipeline for you to share the secrets uh, with me for things that are, that are coming in the culinary space. I, you may have noticed I'm a fan of food and uh, I just, I love that about Bentonville. There's so yeah. much great food here. And, and frankly, even, uh, you know, we came here, uh, brought my family here two and a half years ago. And even coming here, wasn't thinking about the food aspect and am still surprised every day yeah. by all the amazing food here. Yeah. And that we, and that we sustain it as well. Right. Yeah. Because the restaurant industry is definitely, it's, tough. it's very tough. Yeah. You know, being in engineering and, and restaurants. So restaurant hospitality and construction are the number one and number two most you know, uh, what am I trying to say? They're the number one and number two highest turnover. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't necessarily mean just the, uh, the personnel. I mean, the business themselves. Like sure. it's the, the riskiest thing if, to go into those two industries. And um, so, we, you know, we've seen a little bit of that. But also, you know, we've seen a lot of people sustain. And uh, through, obviously through COVID, yeah. but a lot, of, a lot of places, you know, post, I say post-COVID, COVID is obviously still happening. But kind of, you know, now in what is a uh, kind of an evolved COVID world, seeing restaurants and culinary things that are, that are burgeoning. And that's really exciting to see that being sustained and supported by the community. And, and we also have people all the time that come to us and say, I drove three hours to come to your cheese shop, which by the way, is a lot of pressure. Um, you're like, oh boy, I hope you have a great experience. But people do travel, obviously, you know, to come to Bentonville to for for single events, but also just to be here and to visit the area and to eat here. And I think that's just amazing for us to be kind of part of that and that people will will take time out of their vacation or even just come to us as kind of a single-minded 
uh, you know, mecca of cheese, if you will, for the for this area. That's great. Let's stick with the Bentonville topic for a moment. Will you tell me a story? And what I'm looking for is a hashtag because Gosh. Bentonville story. This is something that perhaps could only happen here, uh-huh. or maybe it describes the essence of this place. Okay, well, maybe I can give you a couple of stories, some short and long ones. How about that? Excellent. Um, I, I feel like it's, it's hard to pick because we have a lot of moments where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, of course, yes, magical Northwest Arkansas. Of course, you know, this is going to happen. You know, the person that I met 20 years ago is, you know, in the cheese shop because of this random thing that's happening. But I think just a couple of days ago, um, we had someone come into the shop and, uh, and this happens, you know, with just, you know, oh, by the way, do you know, you know, so-and-so, of course we do. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of wild. But whenever I was, again, learning about cheese, kind of going back to 2012, and there wasn't a lot of cheese around here. So I was reading a lot. So very academically minded. Again, there's only so much you can read about cheese before you're like, boy, I really have to figure out how that tastes. But I was reading this book called The Cheese uh, Chronicles by Liz Thorpe, who um, at a very early age in New York, so if you, any, any of you guys are in New York, at any point, you should go to Murray's. They are definitely, their flagship is one of the most beautiful, amazing places. Again, talk about Mecca of cheese. That is, that is definitely a place um, to visit if you can. She kind of took it to what it is now. And she wrote some books as well. And I I believe that was her first book. And it was kind of about journeying um, through the United States and and kind of hearkening to your question earlier about how do you find these cheeses? Certainly it was much harder then when she was kind of bringing this business about and trying to find these artisan cheeses where you had to actually travel to the cheesemaker and then convince them to sell you their cheese in in a much larger commercial kind of scenario than, than what we're doing. And so she had these really interesting stories in the book about traveling to these places and meeting these cheesemakers. And that was a little bit of that inspiration for me to kind of take that cheese quest as well and do something similar. But anyways, uh, someone came to the cheese shop and just, you know, dropped her name. You know, oh, do you guys, you know, do you happen to know Liz Thorpe, this very accomplished, you know, cheese guru sort of thing? We're like, of course we do. Oh, well, she's my best friend, you know, and I just think, well, you know, and I feel like this happens on the regular, like Uh almost every week something magical happens or these just tiny little, tiny little things uh, where someone comes to the shop and shares these little stories with us um, like that. And I feel like surely these serendipitous things happen circumstantially all over the world, all of the time. But I do feel like they do happen to us quite a bit. And, and that's really special. So, and I think another thing too, like another maybe side story, you know, the Because Bentonville is again, those culinary connections and how how people really, you know, seek us out. And that's been really special having these connections sustained for so long. You know, again, back when I was head teacher world travel and, you know, teaching at NWAC at St. Mary's, again, cheese, cheese making to anyone who would listen to me talk. Uh, James King was uh, kind of newly here and the sommelier and beverage management director at Brightwater. And I just kind of get this random call from him, you know, hey, I, I hear you're the cheese person. I hear you're the cheese lady. And we're like, me? So, you know, we met, we made fast friends. Oh, you're the wine guy. Okay. And so even now we're still doing classes together. And uh, he's, he's founded, you know, his wine store. He has these connections to 8th Street Market. And part is, you know, again, why, why we're there too. Mm-hmm. Another kind of deep connection to that space. And to, to still have that connection and that friendship and then also supporting each other's businesses, even now, is, I think, very special. And maybe it's part of, you know, just the business world, big and small. But 
I think it's another Northwest Arkansas because Bentonville moment that we had these these partnerships and connections with each other, that we have value to each other, but we're also trying to support each other and really, you know, again, value not only our products, but the information and the knowledge that we all share. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I've been a lot of places and lived quite a few places and the the level of connectedness between businesses and the level of desire and, and actual action to help each other out is, is so much higher here than I've seen in other places. Okay. And you're right. I, I think there's a, if you had a serendipitous moments index, we would rank pretty high. Pretty high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe it is that, you know, collaboration versus competition. Not that uh-huh. comp- a little competition can't be healthy, but, but yes, I think that helps kind of foster some of that success. Yeah. So as we start winding down, before I forget to ask, if somebody in the audience uh, wants to know more about Sweet Freedom Cheese or to reach you, how do they do that? Absolutely. So obviously come to 8th Street Market at any point. We will feed you cheese and talk to you about cheese uh, until you will walk away from us. Uh, But 8th Street Market, we are open Monday through Saturday and from 1030 to 630, Monday through Thursday until 8 for a little date night on Fridays and Saturdays. You can also go to our website at sweetfreedomcheese.com. It has all the information to contact us. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can also email us at info at sweetfreedomcheese.com or just call the shop. We'll talk your ear off. Perfect. What's next for Sweet Freedom Cheese? Any expansion plans or keep things as they are? What's your plans? Right now, we're kind of, again, focusing on our connection at 8th Street Market. More and more, you know, events, I think, as we get into 2023 and uh, obviously even like looking into next year as well. And we do have some fun things kind of down the pike. We're not quite ready to announce just yet, but stay tuned to our social media on Instagram, on Facebook, as we start to announce some of these really exciting things that are happening. But one of the things that we also have just debuted, uh, which I know seems silly probably to some, uh, you all have been asking for a very long time, but we do have now a monthly cheese club. Hallelujah. And so we kind of during the pandemic, we're doing a weekly cheese box in which we were collaborating with uh, local companies to have their products in that. And kind of unfortunately, some of those companies have, have fallen by the wayside. You know, we talked about COVID being difficult, but certainly kind of post, post that as well mm-hmm. as we're coming out of that. A lot of things, you know, just economically right now are very advantageous and some of them are not. Um, and sure. so, you know, some of those companies that we've, we've had that collaboration with, um, again, fallen by the wayside or, or fallen comrades. So we kind of had to retool what we were doing on this weekly basis. And so we, we started creating the monthly cheese box, which you can order in advance, even for Christmas right now. So you can go on our website, you can order cheese boxes for December, January, February, whatever you like. And then Shazam, all of your holiday shopping is done. Ooh, I like that. Sounds know, fantastic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> shopping done in June. That's right. My three-year-old, though. Oh. He, well, he oh, likes cheese. I bet. I bet. He I, likes cheese. I know not so. everyone loves cheese, but yeah. we, we can find a cheese for almost anyone, I, I say. Um, and we have a lot of, we have a lot of, quote unquote, youngins that come in and really surprise us sometimes with their very adventuresome palettes, which I am really impressed by sometimes. Excellent. I might bring him by someday. He does have a very adventurous palate. He eats things like jalapenos. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's yeah. it's mind-blowing to me, the stuff that he eats. Be into a grilled cheese sandwich. Absolutely. Yeah. As we wrap up, these last few questions are going to be framed around uh, advice and some mm. are just plain fun. 
let's start with cheese making as a hobby. If, if somebody wants to learn how to make cheese, how do they go about that? Yeah. Okay. Well, first off, sign up for one of our cheese making classes yes. if you can get in, if they're available. Again, Honeycomb Kitchen Shop and other, other connections, go to our website, see what we've got available. Sign up for one of those classes. I always found that that was really the easiest way to get into it. You have a professional who knows what they're doing. You're not going to muck it up. They're going to hold your hand through the process. They're going to give you some recipes. Um, and, and that was really how I got started as well. Of course, I read books. I, you know, I tried on my own. Some kind of were failures. We have a lot of people come to us and say, gosh, I tried mozzarella and it was just a horrible disaster and I'm failed cheesemaker. And we can kind of tell you how, how not to do you know, those. I mean, we've certainly messed it up many, many times as well. So we know we, we have the advice to give you of how not to. Um, the little pitfalls along the way and uh, have some fun along, uh, along the way as well. You can come to the shop. We also do sell a lot of really interesting cheese equipment and cheese kits. So those make great gifts as well. Or if you're thinking about getting into it yourself, we have an all-in-one you know, cheese kit and then kind of more advanced cheese kit. But we do have individual ingredients, cheese molds, uh, cheese forms, rennet, et cetera, that you would maybe need to start on your own. Or if you already kind of know what you're doing, but you just don't want to order online, we, we do carry those products because that, again, was another fundamental part of our business model that we think it's really, it's really exciting to show people how cheese is made. And also when you know how complicated it can sometimes be and how it can go awry, I think with anything in the culinary world, it makes you really appreciate the people who are making it and making it well. It does. Uh, just in my few times that I've, I've brewed beer, oh, I sure. <laughs> kind of understood it from the, the same perspective. I say a few times. I've done it a number of times, just not lately. I yeah. brew a pretty mean cherry mocha Irish stout. Ooh, all right. I've also had some of those go wrong. Oh, sure. Right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> not a pretty situation. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I appreciate it from the beer perspective. You can see how that would apply uh, to cheese yeah, uh, absolutely. as well. Yeah, it's, it's a fun pastime hobby. And, and I, you know, I encourage people to at least give it a go. We have a recipe on our website for ricotta, which I encourage Ooh. people. We also sell the best ricotta, I think, in the entire United States. Uh, we we didn't for a long time. I, I had a had myself on a very high horse about ricotta, and uh, this is this is an amazing ricotta. It's the only one that we carry. But I also do tell people, you know, if in a pinch you need it, you can make it at home in essentially twenty minutes or less. And so you can you can with things that are probably already in your pantry. And so just go to our website. You'll see a link for cheese making at home and our ricotta recipe. You can download. Cool. I'll check that out. Mm -hmm. What's the uh, newest, hottest thing in cheese? Oh, gosh. Uh, good question. Oh, I'm not prepared for this one. Hot things in cheese. Probably actually, well, you know what? I am prepared. It Maybe not in the industry at large necessarily, but if we're talking about individual cheeses, we just had cheese day yesterday. So Ooh. we yeah, we call it cheese day where we have you know pallets of cheese come in and we're again, kids at Christmas time going through the newest toys you know, what is this new cheese? Oh gosh, we're going to open it and taste it. It's amazing. And we just opened um, a cheese that's essentially exclusive to two things. So it will be at Barclita on their new menu soon. Um, and kind of, I think through the fall. So you can go and you can try this cheese there, or depending on when this airs, you may be able to possibly find it in our store, but it might be just exclusive to one of those monthly cheese clubs, but it is I believe the only water buffalo milk Gouda maybe in the world. So we have a lot of Goudas. People are very into Gouda. 
We have soft goudas, hard goudas, goudas that are plain, goudas that are flavored. We have goudas that are uh, made from cow's milk, from sheep's milk, from goat's milk, from mixed milks. But we've never had a water buffalo milk gouda. And so it's called Double Bubble from Central Coast Creamery out of California, made out of 100% American water buffalo milk. And it is fantastic. And hopefully by the time, you know, your listeners see and hear this, that we still have it in the case because I have a deep feeling it's going to be a hot commodity. We're already deeply in love with it. So. Excellent. I feel like I have the uh, inside skinny on a a, hot new cheese. (laughs) Get right away. Um, We have to do three quick favorites. Uh, The first one is what is your favorite cheese pairing? Oh, well, I'm uh, a sommelier as well. So I do love wine. And I would say if I am drinking wine, I love red wine. Pretty much I'm one of those crazy people that drinks red wine all year long. And I am drinking red wine with sheep's milk cheeses. And so specifically, one of my favorite sheep's milk cheeses, a lot of people are familiar with Manchego. Mm -hmm. um, But we and we have a great Manchego. Don't get me wrong. But we have another cheese called Oso Arati in the case periodically. And it is one of the oldest cheeses in the world. It's from the French Basque region. And it is awesome. And it, it, when people come to us and they say, I'm going to drink a red wine, but I really don't know what it's going to be. Even going to a party, you know, I don't, I don't know what to bring. I will a lot of times suggest that. So a sheep's milk cheese and some red wine, and then maybe have a little sour cherry jam or something on the side. If you're more of a, you know, white wine drinker, I love goat cheese with that, with some marmalade to really mm. accentuate those delicious citrusy notes. Um, We actually, in class uh, this last week with uh, King James Wine School, we had a very wild pairing that was amazing. I think everyone, you know, is their top one. We had Harbison, the goopy spruce bark cheese that I mentioned, best best in America. We had it with fresh raspberries. We had it with this raspberry vanilla jam that is just my absolute favorite thing in the store on some local bread and wash it down with some champagne. And boy, that was really just outstanding. So you can get as complicated or as easygoing as you want. You know, the yay toast I mentioned earlier, one of my very favorite things to do with that is just put it on an apple and just go to town. It's a high energy food. Um, It's really delicious and a great snack for both adults and kids. I am feeling very hungry now. Uh, Oh no. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite cheese pun? And I just realized I haven't used as yes. many as I planned. So right. we'll have to hear yours. Okay. Well, I'm ready for it. And I do, I do love when people come to us and tell us cheese jokes. Um, you know, we might roll our eyes a little bit because we have heard a lot of them. And so we, I always try to make it feel like you're the first person who's ever told me that joke Ooh. though, because <laughs> it's, it's, I always think coming from a really good, Gouda place, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, wink, wink. Yes. Okay. So um, I, I also like to say that I am, well, I, I really love to make people laugh. I cannot tell jokes particularly well because I can only remember about one at a time and then that's it, right? So just one joke. So I did look up some jokes for you. Oh, great. And I think I have just one in here. Okay. I'm going to try to try to land this delivery. And it's a lot of pressure. It's the hardest part of this. Okay, what did the cheese dairy scientist say to their assistant? Hmm. Hmm. We're going to have to take a harder look at your 
hypothesis. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's pretty terrible, huh? <laughs> uh, I might go home and try and try that one out. I, I'll probably fail miserably, try but to I'll try to remember. Hypothesis three times fast. This sounds like a joke that maybe Mike Tyson made. Hypothesis. Right. <laughs> what's your? What was your? Or, or what's your favorite moment that you had that involved cheese? Oh boy. I mean, I've had a ton of them, right? So just almost any time I can hand some cheese to somebody and they get that kind of epiphany look on their face, like, oh my God, this is great. Or um, that I can bring that into their lives. Uh, There's a couple of distinct moments where people are under the impression that they can't eat cheese for one reason or the other. And maybe that is the case. Maybe you do have, you know, severe dairy allergy, you know, many, many reasons, right? But I think a lot of people have misconceptions about lactose and lactose intolerance, mm-hmm. milk processing. They don't understand that cow, goat, sheep, water, buffalo have kind of different milk property composition and chemistry to them. And so, you know, we've had some customers come to us that have said, you know, oh, I'm, I'm here with my, you know, friend or loved one. Um, they're doing the cheese shopping and, oh no, I can't eat cheese. And then, you know, we delve further and maybe they'll come back to us later and say, you know, um, I actually, I, I actually am able to eat cheese now. I found that maybe I'm allergic to cow's milk cheese, but I can eat goat and sheep. And uh, I do have this one recollection of someone coming in and saying, you have changed my life. I have not eaten dairy for 20 years. And now I know that I can eat, for instance, harder cheeses that, you know, there's a lot of lactose typically in softer cheeses. So you might, if you're lactose intolerant, want to avoid the goopy stuff like ricotta and breeze and such. But Again, kind of as a, a generic general rule here, harder cheeses tend to have zero or very, very, very little residual lactose in them due to the fermentation process. And so it's just something that people haven't quite understood from a chemistry standpoint or you know, didn't want to take the chance to experiment and that go horribly wrong. But we always tell people start kind of at the very firmest cheeses like Parmigiano-Reggiano, et cetera, or Fibier Gouda's, and then work your way back, kind of see where your tolerance is, or maybe try again different milk types and, and see if you can tolerate some of that. So when customers come to us and say, you know, you've really changed my diet uh, for the better, then that's really, I think that's a really special thing. How cool. Uh, and we've learned some really great information about cheese today. <laughs> Hashtag I mean, cheese that, facts, if, I told you. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is if you are lactose intolerant, yes. try different milks, but also start with the hardest cheeses first. Start with the hardest cheeses first. Yeah, for, for lactose intolerance specifically, because lactose is basically just milk yeah. sugar and that tends to be in the way. So the moisture of cheese, the more whey and the more lactose, typically, you know, not always, but you can certainly you know, come in, ask our cheesemongers, you know, hey, I think I'm lactose intolerant or my loved one is, what would you suggest? Um, we, we certainly customize our cheese plates for requests like that, um, our cheese boards as well, and we can point you in the right direction. And sometimes it's not necessarily about lactose, it's about protein allergies or, again, intolerances to different milk types. I think another misconception is that some animal milks, so like goat milk or sheep's milk, don't have lactose, but that's not true. Basically, all milk has lactose in it. Um, but again, there are some attributes that some people maybe find more easily digestible for one versus the other. Excellent. Great knowledge to have. And when you said in the way, I thought we were going the down the path of a, a pun, <laughs> but uh, I think it still works. Okay, I'll only ask a couple more questions. Uh, the first one is, and I think we heard it weave throughout the episode, but what are some ways that your engineering background has helped you as a cheese shop owner? 
Well, problem solving, I think. Uh, I'm always kind of looking how to make systems more ergonomic and more efficient, right? Um, and, you know, not in like the harsh reality of, of trying to make money first and foremost either. But in what I like to say to our staff a lot is how do we suffer less? You know, how do we not necessarily you know, work less per se, but how do we work smarter? not harder, you know, and how do we suffer less? And a lot of that is that, that problem solving. And a lot of it too is sometimes you see in restaurants where you have the money person or the business person that's doing that in the background, um, kind of keeping things afloat on the accounting department. And then you have uh, maybe the chef or the, the culinary minded person who's doing these wonderful kind of right brain creative things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not always the same person. Um, but we, I, I wouldn't say I'm <laughs> that amazing culinary chef doing that either. But I do get to play kind of both of those roles. So really, I'll make a spreadsheet based off of any excuse. And so having that engineering background where I I do have a little bit of a math mind has been helpful, I think, in understanding the financial you know, obligations and risks of business. But I've learned a lot too. And in yeah. coming from that, because how to run a business is not something that you learn in engineering school either. But I think some of it is maybe that critical thinking um, and that you can kind of get from anywhere, street smart or, you know, an art degree. So it's not necessarily just, you know, engineering as critical thinking, but, but it did help me, I think, kind of frame some of that. And it was a hindrance in some ways too, because with engineers, we don't like risk. You know, mm-hmm. we want factors of safety. And so that was really difficult in starting the business. And learning how to make decisions quickly because the type of engineering that I was in were very long public work projects. They weren't something that essentially happened overnight and then you're done with the project. It was, you're committed to this maybe for the next 10 or more years. You know, you're essentially the engineer, you know, consultant for this city for as long as you're working here. So you're developing these long relationships. Yeah. So, so there are a lot of things that I've taken from that, you know, good and bad and also kind of management of people and you know, valuing essentially your staff is really the most, the most important thing in the business for us. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think there's a lot of folks out there who can take that and learn a lot from what you just said. By the way, I want to give credit for that question to my uh, most recent past intern, Allie Johnston, who is a biomedical engineer. Oh, lovely. Uh, and so she actually came up with that question. But uh, I've known quite a few engineers who have started businesses and, you know, really being able to know which of those qualities and skill sets as an engineer to apply to the business and which yeah. to kind of toss aside is, is uh, really a great skill to have. So right. congratulations. Yeah. yeah, thanks. I'm still learning for sure. Yeah. Okay, last question. Jessica, what should I have asked you that I did not ask? I think this is a great interview. You asked me so many wonderful things. I, I really don't know. I feel like I needed more cheese jokes, maybe. No, I, yeah. I, I, maybe I should ask you, you know. You I know. Good cheese I've, jokes? I've really frozen up yeah. on my cheese jokes okay. and puns here. I thought I, I had a bunch of them prepared and didn't remember. I, I think you most. did a really good job. I know. See, <laughs> that one's the easiest. Excellent. Right? Yeah, that is a really in, good one. Throwing that out there for sure. Well, we are grateful that uh, you uh, are here in our community in Bentonville, Northwest Arkansas, and that you brought this wonderful business, Sweet Freedom Cheese, to us. And thank you for coming on the podcast and spending time with me and our audience. Absolutely. It's been a great pleasure. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you to the Bentonville Beacon audience. You know, without you, this show wouldn't even be uh, possible or wouldn't be needed. So uh, thank you for continuing to stick with us and uh, 
Help us out by sharing this episode with your friends and colleagues around the world and keep coming back to hear from Bentonville's entrepreneurs and business executives and community leaders who are sparking the rise of this place and to learn more about Bentonville in Northwest Arkansas, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. And finally, uh, to check out all of our episodes, you can see them at bentonvillebeacon.com or on your favorite podcast player. And go ahead and hit it and uh, hit subscribe while you're at your podcast player as well. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon podcast. We hope to see you next week.